Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. As the dual pandemics of COVID-19 and systemic racism collided, diversity, equity, and inclusion has gained increased focus worldwide. Now, more than ever before, healthcare organizations are reflecting on how to improve health equity and address bias within their organizations. Today, Ryan and I are joined by Vynamic's diversity, equity, and inclusion leads, Stephanie Christmas and Shannon Connolly, to discuss what leaders should be thinking about as they address this industry imperative today. Steph, what is it about right now that makes it so imperative for healthcare organizations to take truly meaningful action when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion? That's a great question. So in the wake of 2020, there was really a cultural reset on the business world and especially for the healthcare industry. So really putting empathy at the core and employees demanding that businesses look at their diversity, equity, and inclusion issues and really make meaningful progress from it. And so even within health systems, 58% of them described equity as a top priority in 2021, which is a significant jump over the 25% that was two years ago. So really putting their employees at the center as well as thinking about how that will impact the broader populations that they serve as patients and as customers. Steph, you raise a great point. And I think for as vocal as employees and increasingly patients and an empowered consumer is being around things related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, a lot of organizations are also going through a bit of a shift in their understanding of what DEI is and why it matters. I think traditionally we have looked at DEI potentially as a nice to have an HR only related strategy, something that is about employees and how they interact with each other. And while all of that is true and it matters and it's important and we wanna help action upon that critical pillar of DEI, there is a lot more to this. And I think our clients are starting to see and to share with us the real outcomes that they're seeing on the business side as it pertains to DEI efforts and the impact. So just to unpack a couple of those, things like employee engagement, it's a pretty clear line that you can draw between DEI and employee engagement. When people feel included, empowered, their voices are heard, that really helps improve the way that they engage with the organization. But how about something like innovation and creativity? That's something that people sometimes struggle to really understand what is the connection? How do we get from DEI to innovation and creativity? And ultimately what we've been hearing and what we've been seeing in the data is that a workplace that engages with DEI work and brings more voices to the table, empowers those voices to act, fosters a psychologically safe environment, ultimately creates differently, works together differently, collaborates and identifies even new market segments that they haven't thought of before. There's real business impact behind that. And the list goes on. You can touch on categories as detailed as financial performance, profitability, patient outcomes. Health equity is becoming a massive conversation in this space. You're even seeing it in the regulatory environment. So I just think 2020 created this explosion where we went from understanding DEI as a way that we interact with each other to a way that our businesses exist and interact with the world. Shannon and Steph, this is so great. I, you know, I think you mentioned a lot of really important uh, words that really have impacted the broader healthcare 
ecosystem in, in at least the U.S. And you mentioned a little bit around the triple aim of healthcare, right? And this idea of improving the experience of care, improving the health of the population and reducing costs, which really allow for our health systems to be financially sustainable has been around for a while. We're seeing an increase or, or a broadened statement of something like the quadruple aim. Even more than that, it's almost the quintuple aim. And really, it's the idea of these five stars. And the Institute for Healthcare Improvement came out with a really great paper. And they talked about the importance of the components of making health equity a strategic priority, not necessarily performatively, but in real life with action behind it and creating and developing structures and processes to support health equity, understanding what that means by deploying real strategies to address the social determinants of health, which we know have a much broader impact on the health of a community or a group, decreasing this idea of institutional racism within the healthcare communities, and then developing these partnerships with the communities around them. So we're seeing some really great work. It's a long time coming. We've talked about this in the past, but you know, even taking this idea of health equity, right? And kind of understanding it, it beckons and harkens back to the ideas of like, well, what does quality mean? You know, 15, 20 years ago, it was just a word. And now we're seeing really great work being done in quality. I think in a much more revolutionary way, people are understanding the impact of addressing health, health equity. And, you know, we talked a few podcasts ago on trending health around the double click of the distinctions between people and how important it is to not just celebrate them, but, but address their needs. And we are not just men and women. We are not just, you know, Hispanic folks or LGBTQ. There's this idea of intersectionality, which again is, is a newer term. And it's really important for people to understand. It's this framework to understand that there are multiple social identities beyond one race or one gender or one sexual orientation or socioeconomic status that really kind of makes us a whole community and understanding that as a healthcare system in America is so very important. You bring up a great point around this being important for health systems, but also we're seeing it in the life sciences sector uh, as well as them thinking about how are we going to make better medicines for the populations that need them at the price point that they need them and communicate in the way that they need them. And to do that, you really have to understand the communities and think about them and think about them in that intersectionality in that intersectional way. And so it's while it's so important and critical for health systems as well, we're also seeing again, a lot of our other types of clients within the five sectors of healthcare thinking about this as well and what their role is in providing health equity. It's so important that we recognize when we talk about health equity, this is not hypothetical. This is not a hypothesis that this matters or that this is gaining momentum. There is increased focus on this and we're seeing it show up. The evidence is there in multiple spaces. Whether you look at the tech and data innovations that are going to help us collect this data and analyze it moving forward, or you look at the regulatory environment, the fact that CMS just published its health equity plan in December, 2021. These are real. They are impacting the environment within the healthcare industry and clients who today are planning for and paying attention to this are really noticing the many places and the many interwoven themes where health equity is popping up and impacting their business. And I think for some of the folks we talked to today who maybe haven't been as focused in the DEI space and are still working to get their arms around it, 
we're going to see a really rapid momentum in the direction of needing to understand this because you will have to take action upon it, whether that's in the form of data, the way that you develop your medicines, as Stephanie was mentioning, or even just the way that you think about your business and how you approach your customer base. So I think there's really a lot going on in market dynamics that point to this being a critical trend. Steph did a great job of referencing the multiple sectors on top of Shannon, your point around kind of the reality of this, right? And the the paper that I referenced before from the IHIA really uh, around health disparities, you know, we don't want to forget about the healthcare space that is represented by payers and health plans, right? So if we think about the fact that healthcare disparities, I think they mentioned that the total cost of racial and, and ethnic disparities in 2009, you know, that's a while back, but that's how long these studies have been going on. It was something like $82 billion in excess healthcare costs. That really also affects the decisions that we need to make from a payer perspective as well. So when you think about the insurers in the U.S. healthcare system and including the higher rates of chronic diseases among African-Americans and Hispanics and the aging population, you know, that's part of health equity too. And we need to be addressing these even more than we are now. So when you think about the, the interwoven sectors of providers, health plans, life sciences, healthcare technology, and then the policy around them, Every single one of these sectors is impacted. And if and by acting now and continuing this focus, we can kind of start to begin to stem these, these issues. I think the interwoven nature in healthcare, when it comes to thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, whether it's the interconnected nature of the sectors and the role that each player has to take in this space to impact change, or just the way that all of the pieces, whether it's, you know, your talent strategy, whether it's how you are delivering care in a culturally competent, compassionate manner, whether it is, you know, the outcomes that you're actually achieving, they're all so interwoven to your points. I think I heard each of you say interconnected or interwoven as you were talking about the current climate for diversity, equity, inclusion in healthcare. And I think this offers the greatest opportunity for healthcare industry leaders to really create impactful, meaningful change when it comes to DEI. But I think it also creates one of the biggest challenges for these leaders in terms of it can make it feel really complex and confusing and hard to know where do I really get started with all of this? It feels like a big, a big mountain to tackle. So I'm curious, Shannon, if I am a healthcare industry leader listening to this episode, where do you recommend that I begin? I wish there was a one size fits all answer. There is not. And the reason for that is that every organization is in a different place in their DEI journey. And that's something that we work on really closely with the clients that we engage with when it comes to our DEI strategies and the work that we do in this space. We really want to understand and unpack where are you today? What are your gaps? Where are you looking to go? What is the outcome that you're hoping to achieve? Because for some of our clients, it's going to be critical to look in-house first and think first about that cultural connection and that employee side before they feel ready to really bring DEI into the work that they do and how they deliver it into the world. And for others, they've made a lot of progress on their journey and they're really ready to ramp this up and think about how to accelerate their efforts in this space and ultimately change the way that they go to market, the way that they think about their products, the customers and how they interact with them. Again, I, I do wish that there was one way to go about it, 
But I think the, the critical first step is to really take that look in the mirror with an outside organization like Dynamic or do it within your organization and just have that moment to really understand your current state and ask yourselves, what would good look like and how do we get there? I think that's such an important point, Shannon, is to take the time to really assess where you are and where you want to go. I think a lot of organizations, especially again, as we talked about, you know, cultural awakening in the pandemic of 2020, really knew that they needed to do something and jumped right in, throwing in tactics. And one of the big shifts that a lot of employers are seeing is that their employees have now seen them bumble with this problem for a year and a half now and they want to see meaningful change happen and so it's important to take a step back and really understand where you are as an organization what are your employees wanting because you may think that employees really want more representation and really what they're looking for are more opportunities and leadership buy-in and so making sure that as you define what those goals are and you prioritize what they are they're going to match what the organization is actually looking for and where they're at in their journey in their individual journey and collective journey and once you have those goals really charting a meaningful roadmap with activities milestones goals, place to reassess at key intervals, and making sure that you're communicating with your team what you're willing to tackle now and what you have the space to tackle now and what needs to move a little bit forward before you can do that. One of the things I'm struck by that might be unique to the healthcare industry space when it comes to diversity and equity and inclusion is there's this perhaps unique opportunity to really think about not only what can I do internal to my organization, but how can I impact change externally in my community as well? I'm curious, Steph or Shannon, your experience with our clients as they're thinking through these these core roadmaps, what are some of the key elements that often come forth for consideration uh, for inclusion into this roadmap? If we reflect back on the fact that each organization will have a different aim or outcome for their DEI work, what they choose to do along their journey will certainly vary. But for some companies, that might look like standing up employee resource groups. They might recognize that there's a real need for connection among their employees and to create community within their organization for employees to have that space to have psychological safety and start to build that within their employment experience in a particular company. For other organizations with a different set of goals, perhaps they're going to do more learning and development style training, and perhaps they're going to engage with an outside partner and make sure that they are critically focused on unconscious bias and microaggressions and really helping the team open their eyes to the way that they're operating and how they can build their DEI acumen. Further to that, I mean, we've also seen organizations stand up entire steering committees that stretch across the functional areas of their business to ensure that DEI is woven into everything they do from their HR processes to their marketing. As you can see through even just describing these, there are various levels of sophistication. Some of these are quicker wins and some of these take a longer period of time, but when you marry up where you are in terms of your starting point and where you're trying to go, you can start to really identify what those milestones look like for your unique organization to hit your unique goals. A lot of times I see uh, organizations make the mistake 
of either jumping in and going straight to the tactics and it turns out it's not the tactics that the the team is looking to have and so it falls flat or the other thing i see that also happens is that they're not communicating what they're doing so this is a monumental problem that has not happened overnight it's not going to be solved overnight so while you're making those incremental progresses and while you're setting the foundation for more meaningful and sustainable change it's vitally important that you communicate each one of those even small milestones and wins recognizing that you still have more to do i think another really important point that needs to happen throughout the journey is vocal and very proactive leadership buy-in people look at the top to see what is a priority and we've seen over and over again in the clients that we help the leaders that prioritize it that say this is the priority that make time for it show up at the events speak to it model humility in what they don't know are the ones that make the most progress as an organization the ones that seem to struggle are the ones where they're expecting middle managers mostly minority who are marginalized in themselves to take up the reins and fix this problem for the organization. And I think a lot of times you do a disservice both for those folks that are doing the work, but as well as for the organization. If diversity, equity, inclusion is seen as something those people over there are working on, it really needs to be in as much as we've talked about how fundamental it is for the different sectors, for the different parts of your business, for the different parts to really address health equity, it can't be a solution that only falls on a few minority folks to do off the side of their desk. And so really thinking about as you scale and as you think about your maturity on diversity, equity, inclusion is how you're making this sustainable and embedded in the entire organization. When I think about some of the experiences that we've had leading some of our clients through this work, I think you touched on one of the critical blind spots that sometimes even when that leadership buy-in is there, the message, the strategy, the transparency around what we're doing and how we are actioning on this journey doesn't always fully trickle down. So, you know, just like we started with where do you begin as a leader? I think one of the critical steps along the journey that is important to keep circling back on is asking that question, could everyone who works in this organization describe our DEI strategy? And if you say yes, if everyone who works here could describe our DEI strategy, then you have made it transparent and accessible in a way that people are grasping it, they're understanding it, they're jumping in and helping with it if they choose to do so. But if you as a leader are the only person holding on to this, and, and even if you feel passionate about it, it will not make an impact unless everyone knows that it's an organizational priority. And I think that that's a critical piece of the journey that has to be revisited continuously to make sure that people are bought in. It's a shift in mindset for a lot of people. And so as you're making it more real for people in the organization, both in their internal roles and as well as their personal lives, they're naturally going to start thinking about these topics as they start doing their business they're going to start say have we considered this other perspective have we thought about these other organizations have we thought about these other populations so i think as there's a broadening of a person's lens kind of internally uh, and and as an organization then there'll naturally be a broadening of thinking who they want to partner with and how they want to partner with and thinking about the humility in what they're going to partner with because they're going to have 
their own self-reflection. I feel like we need to elevate the term psychological safety a little bit. And again, there, there are many books written about psychological safety. Amy Amundsen is kind of the, the forebearer of this term and, and understanding that in order for health equity or a strategy around DEI to take shape, you have to begin to build this idea of psychological safety or this, this environment in which all employees at whatever level should feel comfortable bringing up issues, problems, concerns without any concern for their employment. And it's so easy to say that out loud, but there is such a process that must be done in healthcare systems and firms or, or companies outside of healthcare to really focus on that and understand how important it is to begin that journey of psychological safety and, and understand the difference between psychological safety and trust. There's huge differences. And once you begin to unpack that and build this journey, and again, it's a journey, it's not a you have it or don't, it is, it is, it is tough as humans to speak up. You can begin to really change the world and change the, the patients and the communities that you serve. Steph and I talk a lot about the fact that discomfort leads to growth and this diversity, equity, and inclusion journey can feel intensely personal and vulnerable, and it can open things up for people that we have traditionally said don't belong at work. And I think that's really interesting as a society, as a culture on a national scale that we're wrestling with that and asking ourselves, does this actually belong at work? We think maybe it does. And how? What does it look like? What does it look like to have conversations that were inappropriate for the workplace? That now we're saying we have to talk about who we are. We have to think about who we are as people. And I think that as our clients embark on their DEI journeys um, and as they go through the various stages of their roadmaps and they're actioning upon those, it's really critical to recognize that it won't be good all the time, but sometimes when it doesn't, when you're making the most progress. And I also agree with that, Shannon, is not only is that uncomfortable and, and a way that people have been told not to bring it to work, because of that, the psychological safety and the tools we can give people to talk about this, because it's not something that they've done before, are really important. So how do we create those active listening? How do we create the psychological safety? How do we create the moments of true learning and understanding to actually break down some of these barriers, it does take time and it can be really complicated. And to, to Shannon's point, it can feel very personal and vulnerable at times, but figuring out ways to do that, we've learned very clearly by ignoring it, it does not make the problem go away and it exasperates it. So now we need to really unlearn what we've been taught and how we talk about these topics so that we can truly move the needle in a meaningful way. Thank you so much for your time today, Stephanie and Shannon. You have both been such a great resource, not only for our team as we think through diversity and equity and inclusion at Dynamic, but also for all of our clients that you've partnered with on our DEI service offering to date. So I'm really excited that our listeners got the opportunity to hear all of your wise reflections and recommendations as they too are embarking on their own DEI journeys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. 
Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.